0: Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. With exclusive access inside one of New York's hardest hit hospital systems during the terrifying first four months of the pandemic, Oscar-nominated and Emmy award-winning director Matthew Heinemann's The First Wave spotlights the everyday heroes of the epicenter of the COVID-19 pandemic as they come together to fight one of the greatest threats the world has ever encountered. The film, again, is called The First Wave, and we're joined today by the director, producer, editor, cinematographer, Matthew Heinemann. Matthew Heinemann, welcome back to Film School Radio. Thanks for having me. Thank thank you so much. You did a lot here, and this had to have been a, not only was it, I'm sure, logistically challenging to do what you did, but also there's another whole level in terms of the risk that you and your crew were going through. Tell me, in the context of that, why it was so important for you to get into the ground floor of what was happening in New York City at this time? I
1: think we just felt this huge moral and journalistic obligation to document this, you know, once in a lifetime pandemic. At that point, we knew so little about where this was all going to go, what was going to happen. Um, But we knew it was gonna be something. (laughs) And, you know, we were so inundated with stats and headlines and frankly, misinformation. I think my goal, among many goals in that early stage was just to really try to humanize it to try to put a human face to it, and, and get inside a hospital and show what was really happening.
0: In the timeline of these four months, you started in March of 2020. Now, as far as my memory is concerned, the real impact of what was happening was starting to dawn on people late February and into early March. When did it dawn on you that this might be something uh, on this scale?
1: It's all a big blur uh, to, to some degree, but I think the first like cognitive neuronal firing about Thinking about this as a film was around Sundance, J- late January 2020, and at that point, you know, the disease was, uh, the the epidemic was largely in, in China at that at that time, and we had no necessary clue of where it was all going to go. But that's when I first was started of thinking about, like, you know, is there a film here? What what is the film? What what, what can we do? It wasn't really in, in in earnest until March when those first cases started to hit the U.S. That I started to actually actualize on that and start to
0: the film is shot at the is it the Long Island Jewish Medical Center is that the do I have that correct Mm -hmm. in terms of approaching them about being in the hospital but all of the kind of logistical concerns because at that point people were really starting to freak out I mean the medical establishment was not quite sure what was happening next so what how did you kind of uh, make that relationship work in terms of being inside the hospital.
1: I mean, yeah, gaining, gaining access to the hospital was, was, was incredibly difficult. We we reached out to hospitals all across the country and, and then, and then got rejected from hospitals all across the country. And then finally got introduced to Northwell Health, the, the system under which Long Island Jewish Medical Center sits. And it was through that introduction from a participant in a previous film that I'd made escape fire on healthcare in the U S. From Dr. Don Berwick, the former head of Medicare and Medicaid under President Obama, he he introduced me to the head of Northwell and said that I'm a you know decent human being, I think, and and that I could be trusted. And I think they felt like we felt that this, there's this sort of historical import in documenting this moment in time, and and so that's why they they let us in. And and but you know trust, especially in a verity documentary, is, is earned, not given. And, and so not only do we have to obviously gain a trust of the trust of the sort of leadership of the, of the system, but, but obviously the doctors and nurses and patients that we ultimately ended up documenting over time.
0: One of the reasons I'm so fixated on this part of it, sort of the inside baseball part of it, is just because in the film we see, the first wave, we see this intimacy, this immediacy, this incredible emotional pull of the film. And that could only happen because of what you just described your ability to be in the room as we watch these people go through what just must have felt like uh living hell for not only for those people in those beds but also for that staff and that's the thing that comes across in the film so that's why i'm just kind of fixated on how you got basically all p- a part of all of this in the, the very beginning of the film we see um without giving too much away but some of the the most dire consequences of what we're about to embark upon in this film. You and your crew are standing there watching these things happening again, under under the and watching these people go through the the medical staff go through this. What is that like? I mean, it
1: was it was definitely the hardest film I've ever made. Um, it's the film I'm most proud of. It's it's it was a it was a terrifying journey um, uh, for me. You know, my father battled cancer through most of my childhood and. And there's nothing scarier than going to a hospital i in some ways rather be in a shootout in the middle of mexico than <laughs> walking to a hospital so those those first couple of weeks were really scary and and obviously we knew so little about the disease and how it's transmitted and you know every single aspect of film production that you'd sort of take for granted was actually a weapon for this disease at that time putting on a lav mic you know putting the camera down on a counter you know carrying a tripod i mean every single thing uh, had the potential of transmitting the disease. And so we were just, we were very cognizant of all that, obviously, and safety was paramount to the best of our ability to keep both our crew safe and those who were filming us safe. But I think the overwhelming feeling that we had every single day, despite the terror, despite the fear, despite the you know sad things we were witnessing often was just Inspiration, honestly, it was it was the, the the courage, the fortitude, the humanity, the love of of these healthcare workers every single day, day in day out, continuing to go in despite having no tools at their disposal to help people, um, and and that's the overwhelming feeling that we had, and that's why we kept making this film. That's why you know the amazing team of filmmakers that I had on this continued to risk their lives to tell the stories. I think we just felt deeply inspired by the people we were following.
0: It comes across in the film, it's just absolutely terrifying to be in that room. And as just as you described it, at that point, no one knew when, what exactly was happening. It was as the one doctor says, you're used to following pattern recognition in order to treat people for, for a whole lot of different medical issues. And in this case, they just didn't know. I just can't echo enough of what you just said, and that is that not knowing that and knowing that they're putting themselves at risk. In the course of the first wave, we get to know uh, the doctors and the nurses, as well as the, the people who are infected by COVID-19. Ahmed Ellis and his wife, Alexis, Dr. Tally Duchesne, and then the Brussels Joven, we get to know them. We get to understand what is going through their minds and what is how it's impacting them. And again, access inside the hospital and outside the hospital throughout this whole thing, it, you must have felt like we were in a war zone in some way.
1: I think it felt more like a sci-fi movie than a war zone okay. to me. Um, obviously, people use the language and the verbiage of, of, of war. When describing this, doctors and nurses on the front lines, you know, uh, in the trenches. I mean, those, those are all sort of the headlines that we kept seeing. But it it was it was otherworldly that the whole experience. And, and but honestly, and this is not really answering your question, but I think one of the greatest tragedies of COVID is that in traditional wars, you know, journalists are embedded in war zones, and we see images of the war, we see images of carnage, we see images of civilians who are bombed, or, you know, soldiers who are wounded or civilians who are wounded. Um, And that informs public discourse. In the case of COVID, especially in those first couple of weeks and months, there's so few images coming out of hospitals. And I think that is one of the greatest tragedies of COVID, is that this thing, if we want to talk about as a war, this insidious, you know, invader, if you will, which could have brought our country together. We could have come together and mobilized and and had a common enemy that we fought together uh, to beat. But instead, it further fractured a fractured society. It divided a divided nation. It polarized this issue and it politicized this issue. And and that to me is really saddening. Um, And that to me is why we felt such a journalistic, historic, whatever word you want to use, import to, to tell the story to show what was what was really happening because it was so sad that it was becoming so politicized and so i i just wanted to put you without without context without sort of analysis i wanted to put you in the shoes of those who are actually living it and then you can decide you know you can you can you can interpret it
0: we're speaking with Matthew Heineman he's the director of the documentary film the first wave the film, The First Wave, is being released into theaters here in New York, here in New York, in Los Angeles and in New York. You're going to be in town on Saturday, um, the 20th of November, at the Monica Film Center with some of the people from the film. And also on Sunday at the Monica Film Center, the one on sa- on Saturday at 7.30 p.m. and the one on Sunday is at 4.40 p.m. So be looking for, for that opportunity, please, to go see this. Uh, Again, the immediacy, the emotional uh, pull of this film is just overwhelming at times. It is because of the people that we're following, the character of the people we're following, and also to watch in some ways to be able to relate to the helplessness as we watch some of these people go through what they're going through. I mean, Ahmed and his wife and and young son are are compelling enough. Let's talk a little bit about Ahmed because I really felt like he he embodies so much of what happened. He's a first responder. She's a nurse. A little bit about how you, how did you, did you uh, develop kind of a sense of who to kind of zero in on as you were making this? Is that something that puts you on to some of these people? Or how did you develop that?
1: Yeah, I, I think like with most of my films, I, I didn't want this to be a, you know, we weren't analyzing how we got here or what went wrong. And, you know. I wanted to focus on individual human beings who are affected by this, and so we ended up following, you know, Dr. Dujay, an internist at at Lij, um, yeah. a nurse, and then and then two patients. And I think, you know, by hopefully by focusing on on these on these individuals, we we gain a much greater understanding of of the issue at hand. Um, but I think with with our patient characters, um, Ahmed and, and Brussels. Um, who are both uh, quote-unquote essential workers, Brussels being a nurse, Ahmed being a, a New York City cop. It it was really, we found them in, in a variety of different ways. I mean, uh, Ahmed himself, I don't know how much time he spent in an ICU or, or seeing people who are intubated, but it's a really scary thing. I mean, it feels almost like a living morgue. There's something about Ahmed's eyes that were so inviting, so they had this sort of fight in them, and 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 everyone talked about it. It wasn't just like a cinematic device that we you know implanted into the film. I mean, it was like people literally talked about his eyes, and so I think that's what initially drew us to him. And then we obviously had to gain the consent of his family and his amazing wife Alexis, uh, who led us into her home, and 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 obviously that that broadened the scope of the of the storytelling outside of the hospital walls, and and began really a journey of of expanding. The scope of the film in general, you know, the, the film began as a sort of homage to healthcare workers, but it became so much more than that over the course of these four months. You know, we it, it touches on systemic racism in, in the disproportionate impact of this disease on people of color. It touches on obviously the, uh, the the protests that ensued in the national reckoning of a race that happened after the killing of George Floyd, all just by following Dr. Duje, who's a first generation American from Haiti and, you know, the story story evolved and and, and changed in many different ways uh, over the course of these four months to enca- encapsulate you know many aspects of the human condition that we experienced uh, during that time.
0: And in uh, the city that is in many ways the the epitome, the embodiment of American culture. There's so many things, there's so many layers, just to the fact that it was that is taking place in New York City that helps kind of accelerate that those those things that you were just talking about, it really, it really is a sort of heightened sense of what was happening. And it was ground zero for this first the first wave Mm. in America. Well I want to thank you. I mean your body of work is just pretty remarkable Matthew Heineman. This is a, this is a fantastic documentary film the First Wave uh and there's so many others that uh, Cartel Land and so many so many so many accolades to throw your way. So I want to thank you so very much for your work here and uh, really appreciate your time and coming back on the program. I really do Matthew, thank you.
1: Thank you so much. Sir. I appreciate it.
0: Check this out. The film is going to be in theaters this coming weekend, the Lemley Monica Film Center, the first wave, Saturday and Sunday, there will be an opportunity to sit down with the filmmaker and have a conversation. Thank you very much. Take care.
1: Thank you. Appreciate it.